listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. We're joined today with a special guest. He's a, a little different than our, our typical guest. His name is Nick Lethel, and he is with The Seven Hour Book. Nick, welcome to the show. Sterling, thank you very much for having me. So can you uh, explain to our listeners a little bit about what you're doing on a real estate investing podcast? Yeah, it's a really great question. The reason why I'm coming on here is to hopefully give your audience some insights on building their authority in the context of raising capital for investments. That's really my background in this discussion and helping real estate investors to do that through putting out a book and a process we have called the seven hour book. So can you tell us a little bit about why real estate investors would want to put out a book and then kind of go maybe into the process of the seven hour book? Sure. So a book or in fairness, any form of media right now is necessary. And I feel it's necessary in this discussion because there are plenty of people out there who are also trying to differentiate themselves and raise capital and new deals. So you really are going to have to have something, whether it's a book, whether it's a podcast, whether it's even just a simple blog to show people that you're different and to help them understand what you bring to the table as an investor. Absolutely. And let me just echo what Nick's saying over and over again, because, you know, a majority of my portfolio has been built using other people's capital and a majority of what I'm trying to do going forward in the apartment syndication business, just like many of our guests that we've had, is based on raising other people's capital. And there is a million people out there. So much noise out in the marketplace right now and so many people trying to raise capital and a lot of questions that a lot of investors have is like, why would I invest with you or potential investors out there trying to raise money? It's like, well, how do you get people to invest with you? So I absolutely love the idea of putting out a book. And obviously I have a podcast out there, but so many of the guests that we've had on the show have both a podcast and a book. And it really kind of tells the world what you're about and offering out valuable content is just such a good way to, to educate your investors and attract investors to you. So can you elaborate a little bit more on the process and maybe share some of your success stories if you're allowed to? I, I don't know what the confidentiality around your, your client base is, but maybe if you want to use some generic deals, just kind of tell us how you go about it and, and maybe what, what kind of success you've created for some of your clients. Yeah, certainly. We can, we can, as you're saying, Sterling, uh, speak in generalities, but the process itself, yeah, is seven one-hour sessions over Zoom where we're walking with an investor or other types of people. Because in fairness, over the years, we have worked with professional service people, lawyers, doctors, people of those sort. We have increasingly, though, concentrated on real estate investing. But within that seven one-hour calls process, we're helping them to take the book from inside of their head to actually being in a note form. And then on my side, my team of writers and I, we assemble the book based on the notes from the calls that we're doing with them as we're walking with them through the points in the book. With respect to the other part of your question, Sterling, about people who we've worked with who have gone on to achieve their goals with this, I can give you certainly a generic example would be there's an investor out there. Uh, he'll know if he's listening to this episode. Hopefully he is. <laughs> yeah. 
in his case, he is coming from a pretty technical background and he came to us with an outline prepared and a very clear idea of where he wanted to go with his book in educating an audience of passive investors. And we were able then to take his book and to put it out there as a very step-by-step detailed resource for those with a passive investing interest to then approach him in, you know, if they liked what they saw, invest with him. And he's gone on from there to develop quite a presence built on the basis of that book as putting himself out there and having a platform. Absolutely. And and I can't tell you how powerful these books are because, and I'm not suggesting any of these people are your clients. I'm just saying they had a book out in the marketplace and that's what attracted me to them and, and as well as many others. But, you know, Early on when I started the podcast, I went to this little deal called podcastguest.com and there was, you know, 20 real estate investors that were looking to interview on a podcast. And one of the names that popped up was Paul Moore. And I was like, oh, I read his book. Paul's awesome. He puts out such great content. So I invited him onto the show. There's several others. I picked up a book by Hunter Thompson about raising capital. And I love the book so much, I reached out to him and asked him to get on the show. So, you know, now he's expanded his brand to my entire audience. Joe Fairless put out the book, Best Ever Syndication book. That attracted me to his crowd. I bought tickets to go to his conference. If I were to ever have extra money, I wanted to invest passively. You know, he'd be at the top of the list for people who I want to put money in his deals. And I think that's the basis of, of putting the book out there is being able to broaden your brand and reach more people and put out additional content to educate and really amplify your presence out in the marketplace. Well, and beyond that, potentially teach people something new that they didn't know and that can give them insights if they want to even go and invest in their own direction. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny because we talk a lot in real estate investing and personal development and, and, you know, all the masterminds and entrepreneurship groups that I'm involved with about the abundance mindset. I just had a friend of mine call me and he said, uh, you know, hey, I was just wondering if I could take you out to lunch. I've been listening to your podcast and I'm really interested in getting started. And he said, I know, you know, it's a lot to ask because you probably don't want to create competitors in the marketplace. I said, no, 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 no. That's not what we're about at all. If I didn't want to create competitors in the marketplace, I wouldn't be doing all my interviews live on podcasts to share with you all. You know, we operate out of abundance mindset. The more we share, the more we give back to the community, we believe the more it comes back to us. So I certainly think that, you know, as much valuable content as you can put out there and as many people as you could help, it only elevates your position and in no way creates a a competition type scenario. You know, that's a very limited mindset to believe you want to hoard all that knowledge for yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, is a, another example of that. I remember, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk was giving an example along the lines of what you're saying, Sterling, where he talks about how in the early days of MTV, many of the established artists didn't want to put their videos on there and their music on there because they didn't want to just give it away. But then you had kind of the the new wave groups, you know, he mentions Madonna, some of these other new wave artists willingly putting their videos and their music on MTV, realizing with that abundance mentality, the more people who hear it and are impacted by it, not only are they helping those people, but the more their own influence is going to grow. Absolutely. So what type of, investors are you seeing utilizing your book strategy more than others? Well, I would say first and foremost, it's multifamily simply because multifamily is just, 
it is the cool kid right now of real estate investing. I had one client at one point who I don't think I would put it myself in these terms, but uh, he described multifamily as the new Carlton Sheets. So (laughs) I think that might be a little bit of an overstatement, but uh, not that far off. So yeah, multifamily for sure. Yeah. So would you say that it's multifamily based on uh, the syndication model where people do have to raise capital to buy these properties versus, you know, somebody going out on their own to buy a single family rental, though typically probably using their own money? Yeah, it's multifamily with the syndication model. And it's also occasionally we'll see people who have just totally unique angles on real estate investing overall. And they're coming at a unique asset or a unique approach to investing within an asset that then makes it necessary to do a book. And so instances in that might be people who are in land or people who are in notes, kind of these, these sorts of topics that if you were to go to a real meeting and you were to say, Hey, you know, I invest in this asset. People would look at you like you invest in what? And so you, therefore you need a book to articulate what you're investing in and the fact that it is profitable and that you know you're doing deals in it or that you have a coaching and educational offering for it so you just need a book to get that out there for people and show them what it's all about yeah and you're spot on about the niche strategies i'll tell you the first thing that i do when i become interested in a topic and i like you know you brought up land another one that there's not a ton of content out there about is like self-storage facilities or you know, mobile home parks. So when I find a niche that I want to go into, the first thing I do when I hear people are doing a certain type of investment I want to learn more about is I get on Amazon and I see if there's a book written about it. And then the next thing I do is I click to see what options are available to see if it's on Audible. (laughs) So is that part of your package? Do you put the books that you guys put out on Audible or is that something next in the step? We have been sorely tempted over the past few years to move in the audible direction. Uh, it is got to do it. A, yeah, it is probably one of these things that's only a matter of time. But no, as of right now, we haven't we haven't fully jumped into the audible camp. Although, I mean, in fairness to that, I think it was Amazon.com or Audible themselves have even described listening as the new reading. So we're probably probably missing out quite a bit by not jumping in. So I, I'm old school. I like to read a book. I think I retain so much more from sitting down and actually reading it like a paperback book versus listening to audio. Kind of the crossroads I came to though is time. So I can listen to Audible while I'm driving in my car, while I'm jogging, while I'm you know doing anything. So I hear so many books, I interview so many people and they all recommend great books. And I just, I don't have time to sit there and read them all. I'm a slow reader, but if it's on Audible, then I can listen to it while I'm doing any of those other tasks. So is it, are you familiar with the process of getting on Audible? Is that is something, can someone take the book that you produce and then can they go have that, an audio version created out of the books that you've produced or written? Yeah, they absolutely can. We've, again, the example that I gave you uh, in his instance, he I believe it was one out and I think it was Upwork or some other service. And he found a professional narrator, hired the narrator and the narrator read through each of the chapters. So you could do it that way. You could also just look around and maybe even post an out on Craigslist, find local talent. There's certainly no shortage of starving, starving actors out there sure. who willingly 
plop down some studio time to work on your project in exchange for a chunk of change on you. Absolutely. So I don't know why, but that story made me think of something I heard about Grant Cardone. He had hired like a professional reader to go and read and put his book on Audible. And then when he heard the cut, he didn't like it. So he decided to do it himself. But I'm sure not not everybody likes to hear themselves talk as much as Grant Cardone does. Well, that 10x, if you're referring to the recording of the 10x book, uh, yeah. the 10x rule, that is a fantastic recording because he ad-libs <laughs> yeah, these, he these great insights. He's talking about speeding, for example, speeding in traffic, and he has something fun to say on that. So that the ad-libbings, I think, make the 10x rule audiobook much more enjoyable than the actual text. I agree. I agree. I didn't try and read the actual text. I listened to the whole thing on Audible, but but yeah, I, I thought it was great hearing it in his voice. I wish more authors would do it in their own voice. I say that, but some authors probably wouldn't be as entertaining in their own voices. Well, Sterling, I got a tip for your audience, going back a little bit if we can, sure. to what you were saying about the issue of time and Audible making it a little bit easier. I think there's certainly something to be said for that, but I would also encourage readers, listeners in this case, listeners of the show, to think about reading as part of your job description. Sure. In the sense that just as you might devote, say, 20 minutes or 30 minutes on the job to doing emails, see if you can devote 20 or 30 minutes on the job to education or sharpening the saw, as various people have called it and maybe use your reading time like that. So then the context changes and it becomes easier to set aside time for the laundry list of books that you have waiting to be read. Absolutely. And I, I do. And I think a lot of people do that. The issue comes up with, like you said, it's a laundry list of books. You know, I have an hour a day dedicated to reading, but you know, if I were to read all the books I want to in the next month, it would, it would translate to six hours a day of reading. and I wouldn't get much <laughs> else done. So Outside of multifamily, what are some other type of real estate investors that have used your product to build their brand or attract different people? I know one thing we've talked about and, and probably is most prevalent with, with multifamily is the capital raising side, but I think there's so much more that can be done by building and expanding your brand publicly by producing content around building a great team attracting off-market deals. I've had people reach out to me from the podcast that didn't have a penny to their name, but they were willing to go and hunt for deals for me. And I you know, could give them a little bite off of that. So the content production can create other avenues besides just reaching people that would invest with you. Sure. Yeah. And that's a very fair point. I've mentioned capital raising because that is one of the more recent instances that people we've worked with are going to be wanting a book for. But beyond that, yeah, we've definitely worked with fix and flippers in that space who are looking to get into coaching and education. And a book really becomes the defining piece of content, their anchor, so to speak, that they put out and then fixes them in place and puts them in a place in a position where they can begin to coach other flippers or people who are aspiring to get into that line of investing. So that would be a strong one. And then also beyond that, beyond just the investing aspect, real estate agents themselves and brokers who are looking to play in a bigger field and are looking to not just necessarily be on the broker side, but also start doing some investing of their own and move toward one of the real estate investing asset classes. A book can allow them 
to begin to define themselves as more than just a broker, for example. That would be another instance. Absolutely. So, you know, when you and I, because when we initially talked, it wasn't about doing this podcast. It was about possibly doing a book. And I just said, I just don't feel like I'm ready yet. Can you expand on what you think would make somebody ready to, to put out a book? Yeah, I think that one of the first things that's going to help them to move down that path is to determine whether a book is indeed something that they actually need to achieve their goals. Do they just need, for example, to start a podcast? Do they just need to start a local meetup group where they're meeting and networking with other other real estate investors? And if they determine in that initial bit of soul searching, so to speak, that a book is the best option for them, then they might begin to think about, okay, a book is going to be the best, the best means for me of achieving my goal, whatever that goal happens to be. Now, what is it that I would be talking about in the book? And what unique life experiences, and even beyond just life experiences, what unique perspective do I bring to the table, which would translate then into a book? And then from there, once you've got those, once you've got your why, once you've determined that a book is indeed the best means of achieving that why, that purpose, and you've thought about what you bring to the table, then from there, you can begin to put the pieces together of the book. And I think for that, one of the best things to do is keep it very, very simple and try to make as comprehensive and as simplistic, though, an outline as you can. So with an outline, keep it to, say, seven or even 10 big picture points and then carve out some sub points and subtopics within those and maybe build your, your book around that. How long is the typical book that you guys are putting out for, for the real estate investing community? We've found over the years, the typical sweet spot, if you will, for a book is roughly about 120 to maybe about 150 pages. I agree. So I'm far more likely to pick up a 120 page book over a 360 page book. Yeah. And I think a lot of other readers out there feel the same. You know, it's longer than certainly longer than a quick PDF download, but it's not so intimidating that you're going to just pick it up and almost like Ray Dalio's book, Principles, enjoy having it on your bookshelf, but never actually crack the cover. Sure. I've got a few of them. Guilty. (laughs) So what other advice do you have for any real estate investors out there that are potentially thinking about putting a book together? Well, I think another bit of advice I could give would be to give yourself some credit when it comes to thinking about yourself as being qualified and being in a position to do it. A lot of people who think about content, whether it's a book or a podcast or really any other form, have this sense of what's been termed the imposter syndrome, right? Sure. They think, who am I to put a podcast together or who am I to do a book? And if you really stop and think about all the things you've done, just all of the things you know, compared to the people you're trying to reach or the people you're trying to educate, you probably know and are qualified to a far greater extent than you would give yourself credit for initially. So keep that in mind as you're, as you're considering any kind of content. And then beyond that, I think, again, going back to a point we were just talking about a few moments ago, which is keep it simple. Don't go out, as they say, and try to write the great American novel on multifamily. (laughs) hunker down, 
and try to consolidate your book to a couple of key points and then reinforce those points with the best possible explanations, stories, and examples as you can. And you'll find your book to be a whole lot more effective than if you tried to make it the most complex, technically specific book imaginable. Absolutely. So real quick, I want to head into our radio round, which is to ask a few questions to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. The first question is, and I think this one, it kind of stands out to me on the topic we're on, but what's your favorite book? Goodness, that is, a, that is an excellent question right there. Well, I suppose I'm not allowed to mention the, um, <laughs> the books from all of our authors, just in fairness, because you know, we wouldn't want to single them out necessarily on the show with all the books out there, but we can keep it to the books I've recently read. Does that work for you, Sterling? That works. Okay. Recent books that I definitely have enjoyed, one of them being An Iron Will by Orson Sweat Martin. Orson Sweat Martin, historically, uh, was writing around the same time as Napoleon Hill, and he put out a book called An Iron Will. And then after that, much, much later on, he founded what became Success Magazine, which your listeners might be familiar with Darren Hardy of The Compound Effect. Darren Hardy, a couple of years back, purchased Success Magazine. This is a very, very old magazine and a very old author, but an excellent book just on willpower and discipline. So on Iron Will, of course, the one thing by Gary Keller, classic book, relating as well to time blocking, which your listeners, if they're looking to, if you're looking for insights on how to carve out time to work on their book, I think time blocking, as they talk about it in the one thing, would be an excellent resource for them. So those are two that immediately popped to mind. Awesome. What's your favorite quote? Wow. I think for that, one quote that I've always enjoyed is Winston Churchill, I'm easily satisfied with the very best. Uh, <laughs> another, another one, just because it's so true and applies to so many, so many aspects. Another one that I, I really enjoy, I don't have a clue who said this. I actually saw it written on a t-shirt at one point, but it was uh, despair is the conclusion of fools. And if you think about that, it works on a couple of levels because despair is the conclusion of fools, like it's the end of people who are fools, or despair is the conclusion of fools, and it is the conclusion that people who are foolish jump to rather than thinking everything through. And then another quote that I really enjoy from Buffett, who accredits this to one of his mentors, which is, you can always tell a guy to go to hell tomorrow. You don't forfeit that right by waiting a day, which is a great quote when you think about tempers and just... Trying to try to keep a level perspective. I'm going to write these down. You've got some good ones out there. I guess being in the book writing business, you come across a good many citations. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Probably when not spending time with friends and loved ones would probably be exercising, distance running, distance swimming, playing team sports like that, camping, hiking, awesome. and probably doing more more outdoor things these days. What kind of distances are you running? Well, I like to do marathons and uh, distances a little bit above that. Primarily though, and maybe this is due to our whole seven hour nature of things, but I usually just get out a stopwatch, turn it on and start running and just, just see how far we can go on that. Nice. Where can our listeners get a hold of you? Where can they find out more about you? Tell us your, your contact info, your website, however you want to get your information out there. Sure. Best place for that would be go to our website, contentcore.net. And that's spelled C-O-N-T-E-N-T-C-O-R-P-S dot N-E-T, contentcore.net. Awesome. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. I really appreciate everything you shared with us. I'm sure our listeners are going to love it and be reaching out to you soon. We'll definitely be looking for uh, more content that you're responsible for putting out. Thanks again for having me, Sterling. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.